Good morning. Ah, oh, now it's working. Fantastic. If you have uh, any form of Bible, paper, electronic, then could you turn to the book of Galatians? We've been taking a series through this book, and I, I want us to read together from towards the end of chapter 3. So if you can find your way to Galatians, it's really near the end. His love's all over us this morning. Oh, his presence is thick in here. Um, I just love what Nick encouraged us to pray at the, min- at the beginning, which is, God, to give you permission to love me. And uh, it's kind of, we need to let him in. Can we just do that again? Because there's more. If you want to put your hand on your heart or some expression externally, but let's just pray together. Father, I give you permission to love me, to invade my life, rearrange my emotional, mental furniture, to line up with what you think. (laughs) Toss out the old pieces that don't, (laughs) that you don't like. (laughs) Amen. He's in the furniture removal business. All right, Galatians. Verse 23 at the end of chapter 3. Now before faith came, I'm reading in the uh, version. (laughs) ESV. Before faith came, we were held captives under the law, imprisoned until the coming faith would be revealed. So then... The law was our guardian until Christ came. I know that we might be justified by faith, but now that faith has come, we're no longer under a guardian. In Christ Jesus, you're all sons of God through faith. For as many of you as baptized into Christ have put on Christ, there is neither Jew nor Greek, there's neither slave nor free, there's no male or female, you're all one in Christ. And if you're Christ, then you're Abraham's offspring, heirs according to promise. I I just want to pause here because I'm going to talk quite a lot about sons. I just want, you're all sons. Ladies, you're sons. In Christ, there's no male or female, no bond or free. That's what this is saying is, from God's perspective, we're all sons. We often say this, but guys, you also need to get used to the fact that you're part of the bride. That's a girl. (laughs) So somehow in God's incredible economy, when he made man, it says male and female, he created them. He said, let us make them in our image. So in God, there is both male and female. So this is not a sexist term or talk at all because... In God, there's motherhood and fatherhood. There's man and there's woman. And to fully represent him, there has to be both on the planet. All happening powerfully together. All right. And that's, that's, that's why I think this kind of, he evens it out. We're all sons, but we are all a bride. Because both, both genders are important in representing who he is fully on the planet. And us understanding who he is also. All right, so he's not, he's not all just sort of bloke. 
that just wouldn't work, would it? But some of us grow up with the idea that God is only a bloke, and that cannot be true. So just that was a bit of a rabbit trail, but I thought it was important to say that. Next, <clears throat> I mean, this is four verse one. I mean that <clears throat> the heir, as long as a child, is no different from a slave. And this is interesting. Though he's the owner of everything, but he's under guardians and managers until the date set by his father. In the same way, we also... When we were children, we were enslaved by the elemental principles of the world. But when the fullness of time has come, God sent his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law, so that we might receive adoption as sons. And become, and because you're sons, God sent the spirit of his son in your hearts, into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father, so you're no longer a slave, but you're a son. And if a son, then you're an heir through God. Formerly, when you did not know God, you're enslaved by those that by nature are not God's. But now that you've come to know God, rather to be known by God, hey, how can you turn back again to the weak and worthless elementary principles of the world? I love that phrase. Whose slaves you want to become once more? You observe days and months and seasons and years. I'm afraid I've labored over you in vain. Whoa. There's a... I don't know if you've seen the pictures from down south this week. That kind of smog thing that came in from, and just kind of covered everywhere, and it was sand on cars, and never got this far up because we're just more holy up here. <laughs> We've already shifted that atmosphere right out the door. <laughs> but I, I was looking at this, and, and it was a whole combination of stuff. So it was some of our own pollution. It was some of our stuff, yeah? Was that we belched out industrially, and, and then there was some. Then we got some of the foreign pollution as well. That was so the Germans and the French were sending us their junk. <laughs> <laughs> and to add insult to injury, the Africans were sending us sand from the Sahara. <laughs> the the outcome of our junk, foreign junk, and sand was you couldn't see the sky. The, the clarity of connection from the physical heavens and the earth was lost because of this combination of junk that just blew in and settled over the land. And we've enjoyed open heavens here. <laughs> just keeps raining. <laughs> But the connection is clear. We can see it coming a mile away. <laughs> but I just started, Paul's talking here about, we used to live under this stuff. About these weak and miserable principles is one translation. We're living, we, 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 were, we were like children held under this stuff until Christ appeared. We were, it was like we were in the fog. We were in the pollution. And it was a mixture of stuff. It was a mixture of demonic stuff. You know, not ours, just blowing in from somewhere else. Yeah. It was, it, and it was our stuff, our legalism, our bad thinking. All created this lack of clarity between us and the hev- and, and Heavenly Father and the heavens. And what he's saying to these guys that he's writing to is, as you're mo- trusting your own efforts... You're moving yourself back under the cloud. 
Jesus came and, and, and as his flesh was torn and his blood was spilled, he ripped open the heavens over you. He made Eden possible in your life. You know, the Garden of Eden was, was a beautiful place because there was no separation between heaven and earth. So there was no difficulty for God to find Adam or Adam to find God to walk together in the cool of the day. Yeah, there, there, wasn't, there wasn't a stairway. There wasn't a kind of fog. There wasn't a haze. There was no ritual routine. There was no things to be done. Simply to be. And that's what Jesus restored at the cross. He removed the paraphernalia. He removed the haze. He removed the fog. He removed these weak and miserable principles. Legalism and religion and politics. And he removed depression and oppression. He removed the need to perform to get near to God. And he rejoined heaven and earth. On the cro- that cross was a reconnection. He opened up. You know, Jesus walked. Do you remember right at the beginning that heavens opened over him? And there was a voice. I've read, but I can't find that they ever zipped back up again. We, we're reading that into the text. That Jesus had, oh, he had an open heaven experience at baptism, and then it all went. No, Jesus walked in an open heaven. He says in John that you'll see angels ascending and descending on the Son of Man. He said, you, you remember Jacob, I'm, I'm that personified. I, I, I'm the place where heaven engages with earth. Are, are you with me? So what happened at the cross is he made that true for everybody. He cleared the smog, he removed the fog. He cleaned it out of the way. And then when, I was thinking, why do we do church? We sit, come here and we spend a couple of hours and, you know, we worship, we chat and someone preaches and we do testimonies and declarations you know, one of the reasons for this, it's not the only reason, is to get a couple of hours in a clear atmosphere. That's why we do all this. That's one of the reasons. Is when we go back into our lives and our jobs and our universities and schools and working at home. And I've just been around and praying for a few people this week and encountering a few things. It just kind of, there's nothing out there happening that's saying to you, God is good, He's alive, He's for you. Even our heads are getting bombarded by all these thoughts about stuff that you're not really good enough and He's not going to do it for you and on and on and on. The accuser is active out there. He's in the atmosphere. So the atmosphere has been cleared, but He's still in the atmosphere. Are, are Are you following me? So this, these scriptures are defining an unseen realm that you get under if you're not careful. And what I see is week by week, we all, lots of us walk in here and it's as if we collected smog. Yeah. Or we have our own personal smog cloud. And the point of getting together is to remember and remind and wash away and blow away the lie that we're under smog. We're under heaven. We're alive. We're connected. He's here. He loves us. No, no conditions. No, no ifs and buts and maybes. He's here. He's for you. He's on you. He's with you. And that's true out there. And what we're growing in is our ability to take our atmosphere into their atmosphere and change their atmosphere. And they all go like, 
well, this week and mi- what you do is then you show up how weak and miserable that way of doing it is. Paul says it is, but when most people live that way, because it's the majority are all kind of a bit skeptical, a bit under it, not sure, then it just becomes the normal. But we're here to redefine normal. I like Andy's title last week. This is about establishing a new normal. That normal is not heaven's normal and it's not our normal. Our normal is heaven on earth, is open heaven over us, is direct connection without smog, without fog, without disconnect with us to Heavenly Father. He loves us, He's on us, He's with us always. Jesus said, I'll never leave you. He meant it. If we think He's left us, we're believing a lie. Because He never changed His mind or His decree or His action or His declaration. He is with you. He is with you. It doesn't feel like it. Then you're believing a lie. He's not changed. He's not moved out. I love that song that came out. There's something in it about he doesn't stop loving you even if you neglect him. He's like still on. doesn't stop being with you even if you forget he's with you. He's still on. Are we? He's still on. He's on all the time. Get out of bed. He's on. You're like, oh. He's on. He's there. And, and sometimes we just slide into this idea that we've just got to earn it. We've just got to do a bit better, then he'll be really on. You can't make him more on, more there, more for you, more in love with you, more passionate for you by doing a thing. That's the heart of this book. And actually, working for things he's already given you is just daft. There's a whole load of things he's already done, that are already given for free, that we just get to receive by faith, which is what Paul's saying. He's like, this is by faith. This is not by human effort. This is not by works. This is not by performance. And ultimately, religion and legalism is striving and trying to earn what God's already given. Just relax. Just, just breathe. Just go. I thought I'd missed it. Impossible. You're right there. Man, I had such a bad week and I missed 15 prayer times and in fact, he's there. Didn't think about him in the shops. Didn't think about him in the shower. Is there. Surely there's something I'm supposed to do. Well, yeah, there is one thing. It's believe him, not you, or the noise that's in the atmosphere that's telling you all the stuff that isn't true. Just because lots of people believe it, or you used to believe it, doesn't make it true. Doesn't make it real. It's a reality, but it's not ultimate reality. I love that song, Abba. 
you define me. You're my reality. And the difference here is the whole issue of being a son or not. This is the heart of this book, of this letter, is being a son. You are all sons. Well, you, this old stuff, this old way was there for a season. And he, he's like saying we were like kids in care. Until Jesus came. And what we were under the care of was weak and miserable. Who we're now connected to is great and glorious. <laughs> I'm going to try and explain this. The Son and the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, function together to usher us into the presence of Papa. So Jesus made the way, Holy Spirit shows you the way in order to, wow. Often we've thought about, Jesus said that he would send the Holy Spirit as our guide, remember that, that verse? And we're like, oh, show me what to do, what job to take, where to move. And yeah, that's true, but actually I think he's our guide in the spirit realm. The place we need the most help isn't here, but is navigating our inheritance in the realm of, of heaven. Do you know what I mean? the, the bit I'm clumsiest, I can get my sat-nav out down here, but Holy Spirit is heaven's sat-nav. And where he's going to take you is straight to Father's face, straight to Father's lap, straight to Father's love. That's his goal. And Jesus made the way, Holy Spirit's taking you on the way. Jesus is the way to the Father. No one gets to the Father except through Jesus. It was not a conceptual idea. He actually wanted to take you by the hand, remove all the barriers and obstacles and objections, and connect you experientially face-to-face with Heavenly Dad. Well, I know I'm a Christian. I know I'm forgiven. Well, that's great, but have you met the Father? Well, I know I'm supposed to. Well, you can. The whole deal. The whole goal of the whole deal was that you got personal intimacy with Papa. That you found out he was good, you found out he loved you, and you had a personal connection that was really alive and amazing. The Son and the Spirit functioned together to usher you into his presence, get you face-to-face, get you around him and him around you experientially so you, because they know how good he is. And the Trinity functions in the way that they all celebrate one another. So they're like, they're like coming to you. This is, happens to me. They're like, you want to come and see Papa? He's amazing. We hang out with him for eternity and we made it so you can. So come with us. Come and see him. He's incredible. And he's like, yo, Jesus, I like hanging out with you. And he's like, yeah, and I love hanging out with you. But come and see the Father. That was the whole point. Jesus came to show the Father. Do you remember he said that? 
And he's still trying to show you the Father and me the Father. Because he's like, the Father's amazing. He's incredible. Come and see the dad of the universe. He's my dad. He's your dad. I did all the messy, heavy lifting for you. So you could come and have a great time with Papa. This is Christianity. This is Christianity. And then the one we behold is the one we become. Hey. So there's two bits to this. So positionally we're sons. Do you understand what I mean? So we're declared sons. We're declared righteous. That's all done by the blood of Christ. But experientially we need to become sons. And that's by beholding the one. So the one you love is the one you behold. And the one you behold is the one you become. So Jesus was a son And he was a son who did what he saw the father doing. He said things like, I only do what I see, or I only say what I see in the father's presence. Yeah? So he he was reflecting, he was resonating with the father's heartbeat. He He was reflecting the father's passions, and he was reflecting them. He was seeing them in the throne room, as it were, and he was then reflecting and re representing them back onto the earth. So his, his ongoing encounter and relationship with Father was setting up a vibration in him which he then released into the planet. And then he could say, I'm only doing what the Father's doing. I'm only saying what the Father's saying. I'm only doing what I see the Father doing. If you've seen me, you've seen the Father. He's complete alignment. And he said, well, yeah, well, he was God. Yes, but he was also man. So he had to deal with the same conflict inside him that you do. Jesus, I believe, had two wills. So he was fully divine. So he had the will of the Father in him. But he also had the same one that you do. Like an earthly thing going on. Like, I don't really want to do what God wants me to do. (laughs) Tight will. Which is why you hear in the garden, it's like he's praying. Because there's a bit of it's like, you've got to be kidding me. A cross? No way. Father, if it be your will, get this thing out of the way. Let this cup pass from me. Because he's going, he's doing like we do. He's like, oh, I really love you, Dad. I'll do anything. Oh, you're scaring me to death. You have two wills operating inside of you. But the one that you look at is the one you're going to become because as you get dissolved in his love, it's like courage comes because fear disappears because love and fear can't coexist in the same place. Because f- faith comes with love and love casts out fear. It's not, you, to actually move in faith, you need to be full of love. So the Son and the Spirit are, are, are working together to persuade us, usher us in, cause into the Father's presence. And it doesn't matter how convinced you are that you are a son, biblically, if you don't experience his presence, you'll begin to behave like an orphan. I'm going to say this again. It doesn't matter how convinced you are that you're a son of God. Because lots of us, when we get saved, we know that we are sons and daughters of the king. But it's insufficient to know, 
even the biblical truth and quote it every day if you don't have presence. Because orphans, in a natural sense, are not orphans because they lack biological parents. They lack parental presence. So we have a world filled with religious Christianity because they know, there's lots of us who know, but we're not experiencing the Father, so we're still acting like orphans. So there's a lie that's come in that there's a gap, there's a distance. He's up there and we're down here. That's why we've, one reason we value his presence so much. Because we're his kids. And the thing that's going to convince us over and over again that we are sons and daughters is that we know and experience his presence. Because orphans are people who never see, feel, or hear their parents. They're not people who don't have parents. Somewhere, somebody provided the biological material for them to exist. Yeah? But that's not enough to make someone a true son or a daughter. They need... We've just ended a season of our, two of our grandsons living with us and our, our, our daughter and son-in-law and watching how those kids at four and two and a half look for the approval, just from the eyes and the smile and the input from their parents is incredible. Their need of that affirmation over and over and over and over and over again. And actually, it's quite overwhelming sometimes as a parent how much kids growing up need that eye contact, that hug, that yay, well done. Even when, you know, and we all do it and grandparents, we do it as well. It's like, but but our role is, you can see the meaning of our encouragement is less than mom and dad. It counts, but Push comes to shove, mom and dad is what they're really about. So we're like going, yay, you took a good swing at the ball. You completely missed it, but you're awesome. You're going to play for Scotland type thing. But if dad says it to them, they're like. If you grow up without that, you're an orphan. You can have a parent, but you can still have an element of orphanness internally wired. So, I think, how many of you just like to hang out? You know, is that time in the week you've done the doing and you get takeout pizza or Chinese, it's Friday night or it's Saturday night or it's both. You have a few friends around you kick back, and there is no agenda. You don't have to get up early. You don't have to go to bed early. You don't have to do anything. You can watch a movie. You can fall asleep. You can talk about anything or nothing. Do, do you like those sort of, anybody here like that kind of chilled vibe? I don't know. Or sitting in coffee shops when it's just chilled and drinking coffee, or, or a nice glass of wine with cheese. Oh, Jesus, heaven. He's coming to earth. <laughs> Do you know that kind of... And, and, and even, you know the crazy thing? I've, I've been married nearly 35 years to this amazing lady. And I still haven't figured her out. <laughs> yeah. Help me, Jesus. This is 35 years I've had to find out. 
But you know what? We have to go just hang out. And, and, and if we don't talk, and it goes on for a while, if we're just busy, busy, doing, 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 and we're not chatting, and we're not kind of just, how are you doing, and what's going on, and how's this making you feel? Oh, you, that, it does that to you, does it? Oh, really? It doesn't do that to me. It does this to me. Oh, okay, well, let's kind of... And you discovering one another's ways, you're discovering the wiring, kind of just by hanging out and doing, yeah? yeah. He, he, he likes that too. He, Moses prayed, I don't want to just see your deeds, I want to know your ways. He, he likes to be known, he likes people who are interested. It'd be fun to know what heaven normal is. See, a lot of the time I'm trying to bring my normal to him and squeeze him into my normal just to improve, give me an upgrade on my normal. What he wants to do is make my normal his normal. That needs no upgrade. He is the ultimate upgrade. In fact, to call him normal is actually an insult. He's supernatural. He's beyond description. And his ways are not our ways. So you have to hang out like you would in a marriage or a relationship you want to deepen. You have to hang out. I go, and not tell him all your thoughts and not listen to his. I've had to learn a lot not to go with my list of, you know, God, you know I'm leading a church and we need this and we need this and we need this. I think he gets bored. And actually, I got bored with that. <laughs> it's not a relationship. It's an agenda, isn't it? It's kind of a business thing going on. Right, God, we're doing church. And, you know, I do church, therefore I am spiritual. No. That's not true. All of my life is spiritual because I'm doing church. I lead church. I've led church for years. And I'm doing a meeting about church, so it's spiritual. Well, no, it doesn't have to be. So God, let's do church. Here I am. Do church good, God, for me. Do church good with me. Do church amazing with me. And then I'll be happy. And he's like, I'm not so impressed with that kind of praying. What about a bit of me and you hangout time? What about knowing my heart? What about knowing how I'm about going to do this stuff? Do, do, do you get? Do, do, some of you guys, we're the same. It's like, well, my job, I need more customers, I need more this, and my kids, God help me with my kids. Oh, what, do you see? Actually, we need to hang out rather than force an agenda on this relationship. You need to think about that while I have a drink. One of the trickiest and most challenging things I've had to do and still have to do is rearrange my internal furniture and point the, the, the kind of drive inside me away from getting God to do stuff that I need Him to do to pointing my inside of my drive to going. I just want to gaze at you, Father. How do we do it today? And getting to know, and really expressing, God, I want to know your normal. I want to know your ways. You're, you're just, just, it's crazy what you do. You make no sense. How, 
How? Who are you? He loves that question. Have you ever asked him who he is? I mean, we think we know. Because people like me have stood at the front and said, well, he's God and he's Lord and he's holy and he's like, oh, we know about him. No, 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 we don't know about him. That's a bunch of words. Beholding him that makes you sons. When you know him and you know his ways, you start to live like him. And Otherwise, we just end up with a new load of pressure. Because now we're like, oh man, we're doing healing as a church. <sighs> I'm struggling to read my Bible. Now I'm supposed to raise the debt. Right? <laughs> I can't get to church on time, let alone heal the sick. <laughs> It's just another list of our Christian things we have to do. It's not meant to be like that. That, 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 will, that will kill us. So the answer isn't not to do it, right? Which is the other thing is that we start, let's just re- reduce the internal pressure by, re- right, by just drawing big fat lines through my spiritual to-do list that, till I can cope. Well, you know what? The enemy will make sure that your list gets shorter and shorter and shorter and shorter and you spend less and less time doing things that can help you walk with God just because it's too much pressure. But actually the answer isn't the doing, it's in the encountering. And suddenly everything makes sense. Is that making sense? You know, in his presence, you see who you are. If you want to find out who you are, you're going to find it in him. What am I supposed to do with my life? God, tell me. Do you know how little he answers that prayer? How often I have that conversation with people as a leader. What am I supposed to do? I'm asking God and he's not telling me what to do. So then they come to me like I'm supposed to know <laughs> because I'm a spiritual leader. So you tell me what to do because he's not telling me what to do. And I'm like, and you think I'm going to tell you what to do. Then if he's not saying anything, I'm not going to butt in. But, you know, if we just knew what to do, life would be so perfect. But the reason a lot of us don't know what to do is because we don't know who we are. And you only find out who you are when you connect to the one who made you who you are. He has all the secrets of you. Just doing a little dance because I'm excited about this idea. All the secrets of you, who you are, what you need, where you need to go. He got them all because he drew them out before the beginning of time. He, he designed in love you. You're completely unique. No one will ever be like you. No one is like you and no one has ever been like you. So like we sing to him, there's no one like you, Lord. He says the same to you, there's no one like you either. Absolutely never will be found anybody like Katie Lilly again. Isn't that awesome? 
Wow. So we'd better look after the one we have because there's no, there's not like another replacement. Oh, well, if that kind of breaks, well, we just get another Katie Lilly. No, there just isn't. It's not how it works. Oh, well, if you fail, we'll just draw in. No, 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 it's not how this works. We have to celebrate everybody because there's only one of them. And they're happening for this, whatever, 80, 90 years that they're on the planet. This is their time to be amazing. The planet will never feel the impact of someone like you again. And how do you find that out? Talk to the designer. Because some of the things you believe about who you are are not true. Because of all that noise. You remember all that kind of smoggy atmosphere stuff. These weak and miserable principles. They're telling you that you're rubbish. And he's telling you that he are amazing. He's telling us that he has an incredible plan for us. He's telling us that we're powerful. He's telling us we're going to change the planet. He's telling us that we're the apple of his eye. He's telling us that we, he loves us. He's telling us he's got incredible plans for us. And we're like, yay. And then we go back out there and like, yeah, you're not going to amount to anything. Die. You know, just, just kind of earn a salary and die. See, Abraham was a man of faith. He basically, he believed what God believed about him. I'm so excited about this. This is just brilliant. That's all he did. God said to Abraham, and said, you're going to have lots and lots of babies and offspring. And he changed his name to father of a multitude. That God's faith about Abraham was that he was the father of many, even though he had zero kids. Yeah? yeah? And it says that Abraham's faith was counted to him as righteousness because he believed God. What, what that means is he believed God's opinion about him, not his opinion about him. God's opinion was father of a multitude. And Abraham's going... I believe you. So often we're confused about what we should do because God's saying, you're this, and you're going, doesn't look like it to me. And they're not telling me that, and they're not telling me that, and history's not telling me that, and nobody's telling me that. My circumstances aren't telling me that. I I believe this. Sorry, you're just kind of way too optimistic. Are you even realistic, God? Do you know what you're talking about? I mean, you look at the material. You, have you seen the material you're dealing with? Duh. And, and, and sometimes we just kind of go, I'm, I'm sticking with what I know. Because you're saying, what you're saying is like, Whoa, that must be for somebody else. That's not true. You're submitting to weak and miserable principles. Weak and miserable principles will make you weak and miserable. That's what they call weak and miserable principles. Let's all do weak and miserable principles to be happy. You know, it's a lie. Get drunk, you're happy for a couple of hours, but then you have a headache and you're depressed for a weekend. That's called a weak and miserable principle. It's stupid, but people just keep doing it because there doesn't seem to be anything else on offer. 
But the change is happening. Because the more we come like Papa, the more the world sees there's an alternative. When we know he's good, and we show he's good, lots of other people are going to go, wow, I thought it was religion. I don't want religion, but I like what you have. Hey. Because the whole point is that sons display their father. I and the Father are one. If you have seen me, Jesus said, you have seen the Father. Oh, well, that was Jesus. Yeah, but he then said to us, you're going to do the things that I do. I'm calling you sons because you're going to represent the Father the same way I represent the Father. And that you can break that down. You're going to represent the Father. So he's presenting himself to you. You're going to represent that to the planet. We start to resonate and hum with his heartbeat, his ambitions, his opinions. And we come alive because the design is imprinted in us. Our inner circuitry was already inscribed before creation by him. And as we start to, quote, submit to his will, we come alive because he knows how he made us. And how he scrubs away all the junk and the stuff in the way and starts to connect with how he made us. See, what he's saying for us to do, what he wants us to follow, is going to cause us to rediscover who we were originally created to be and come alive. In our independent thinking, we can think he's an interfering, egotistical, overbearing despot. He's trying to tell millions of people what to do. No, he's trying to bring millions of people into their true freedom and identity because he's the only one who really knows how you're designed. He's trying to do you good, and sometimes you'll think, and I think, he's trying to do me bad because it doesn't fit what I think about me. Well, hello, but he made you. Yeah, but I'm in charge. Well... See how that works out for you. <clears throat> True, it's interesting, isn't it? God didn't send a manager, didn't send a general, didn't even send a representative. He sent a son. And Isaiah 9 tells us that the, the, the kingdom of God, the government of God, rests on the shoulders of the Son. When Father wanted to introduce the planet to his kingdom, he sent family. Orphans are really bad at carrying the kingdom. He didn't send a servant. He didn't send a slave. Servants and slaves can't carry the kingdom of God like sons and daughters carry it. The fullness of the display of the kingdom of heaven rests on the shoulders of those who know they're sons and daughters of the king. 
Mais il les donne. No father on earth is perfect. There's some good ones. I think I did pretty good. I've got a good dad. I've got an amazing dad, the way that he cares for my mum right now who's got really bad Alzheimer's. My dad's amazing, amazing, amazing. Whoa, that's early. Yeah, 35 is the time. It's okay, whoa, you can stay five minutes longer if you want. We've got five more minutes, sorry. Five more minutes, then I'm, and I will be done. Great. Thank you, Jesus. I thought, what? <laughs> okay. Um, my dad's amazing. But I've needed my lens that I look at fatherhood through to be shifted. Because the dad that he was to me was the dad that I was reading on to Heavenly Father. And he was a good dad, but there's no dad like Heavenly Dad. So all of us, whether we had rubbish fathers or brilliant fathers, are carrying an image of fatherhood that we are prone to projecting onto Heavenly Father and thinking he's like. And that needs fixed and some of us struggle to fix that if we had good dads because we think saying we have a problem with our father image is dishonoring our earthly father. And that's a trap. I want to know, Heavenly Dad without the color on the lens of earthly dad. I'm honoring my earthly dad talking to you about him. But that doesn't mean I haven't realized I need a full revelation of heavenly dad. And some of the things my earthly dad couldn't be or wasn't wired to be that I needed him to be, I've needed heavenly dad to invade my life and fulfill fill that bit out because it was absent yeah. that's not dishonoring him I'm honoring for what he is but I'm also not lifting him up to be God because he clearly would never think he was anyway mm-hmm. is this making sense so a lot of us need some help on seeing heavenly papa for who he really is and getting the father lies and father wounds that come through our experiences of earthly dads, out of the way. Sometimes it's easier for people that had really rubbish fathers to go, yeah, I really need a sozo. But I was sitting in here when Alison Lenny launched the, the sozo ministry here, and she did a really quick sozo exercise with us. Now, she said something like, just sit there, and uh, what comes into your mind when you think about Heavenly Father? And I'm sitting there going, I've got this one down. And I went, yay. And then all I saw was black. And I thought, uh-oh, this isn't good. Black, Heavenly Father and black in the same sentence. Even I know that's not good. <laughs> so with some help and encouragement from Teresa, I got a sozo. And, and I just said, I've got this problem. I think Heavenly Father, I got black. And then we just went into this whole encounter with, with God 
that got out of the way the things that were in the way. And it's great. It's freedom came. I actually felt the hands of the Father around my back. Whoa. Just sitting in a chair and you just sort of feel... And they're not my size. They're like big, fat fingers. You know, what, like the size of a hand around me. I'm like, this feels really safe. See, I had a struggle with feeling... I had a struggle with protection and not feeling protected. Now, if I needed that, I would put quite a bit of money on. In fact, I would probably put my house on. (laughs) Most of us need some help to break off that orphan spirit, get free and start to see Papa, who he really is, and then we'll start to reflect that out there. And just knowing that he's your dad isn't enough. You've got to experience, you've got to hang out, you've got to reflect. So, I'm getting Jan and our Sozo team more work here, but I really, really. Let, let's just take, let's get the band back, please. I, I, I'm going to keep to the 25 2 on there. Can I have the band back up here? We're going to sing that song again, Abba. Probably now is a good point to get your kids. Let, let, let's do the kids thing now. Sorry, I'm messing with you. I don't know what happened then, but I suddenly became like Rice Krispies. (laughs) We need a new something. So, so just, just, just. Bear with me on this. Just, just take a minute. Just take a minute. Shh, 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 shh. Just, just close your eyes with me before the band starts or anything else happens. Just close your eyes and, and pray something like, Heavenly Father, show me what I really think about when I think about you. You have to shut your eyes and see what comes up. And you'll know if it's a good thing or not a good thing. Heavenly Father, when I think about you, what is it I see? Hey. And if it's anything that other than something that makes you want to get closer to him, okay? He's so lovely and he's so amazing that actually you just want to get closer and closer. If something's coming in that's anything other than that, let's ask him to change it this morning. Say, Heavenly Father, I want to see you in all your goodness. Just take away what's in the way and let me see you and your love deeper and stronger today than ever and let's sing this together.